Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we play Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we're chatting with my friend and returning guest, Eric Olson. He's the president of Dignity Coconuts. They have an amazing company started about 12 years ago, and they uh, make incredible coconut-based products and doing some really cool things in the world. They were started to uh, provide jobs for the locals and also uh, combat human trafficking in that area, and they've done an incredible job about with that. Uh, and so much, we said restaurants and a hardware store have sprung up around their business now. And it's just so cool what they're doing. Uh, now, it has not come without their struggles. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, they uh, struggled a big, struggled big time. He said they were at death's door. They had four super tsunamis come through and devastate the area. So it was only a miracle that they even survived that. So in this episode, we talk about the resilience and just be by partnering with the Lord, the cool things that happened as a result of that and how uh, just they were saved um, from being extinct. And now they're just doing incredible things in the community. So the farmers that were there, their hopes and dreams for their kids would were that they um, you know, used to be, you know, things that they would just survive. And now it's that, you know, they'll get a diploma um, and be able to go on and do cool things. So just as what a fun episode, uh, a company that is a role model for business as mission type companies that are providing a great product, but also doing good in the world. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, real quick, also, if you want to be able to support them, their website is dignitycoconuts.com. And I have a link also in the show notes below. Um, if you're interested, you can actually partner with them and get a, a donation uh, receipt uh, because they have a unique way to be able to do that. And so uh, here is my episode with Eric. Eric, welcome back to Streams of Income. Hey, it's good to be here. <laughs> so you are back on, we just looked, May 2021. So a lot has happened since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was, we were at death's door at, at that time on the last mm. call we were on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I want to, um, so guys, you can go back to episode 93 and listen to that episode. But um, for those of you maybe with limited time or you want a refresher, why don't you tell us who you are and what Dignity Coconuts is all about? Yeah, so I'm the president of Dignity Coconuts. We started 12 years ago in an area of the Philippines that was at risk of trafficking. Uh, there's trafficking that, that's that's happening around, and we wanted to stop it before it started in this area. It had all the ingredients of being an um, easy place for traffickers to come and take the women. We suspect some women have been trafficked already from our area, but it's such a taboo topic. Yeah. to talk about that uh, we don't have any hard reports of it happening. Uh, and so we want to be uh, a place where uh, we can keep families together and prevent trafficking from happening. So we built a coconut company in the middle of basically a jungle <laughs> on the seaside villages of the Philippines in, in order to, to create jobs, hundreds of jobs, and, uh, and have hundreds of, hundreds of farmers have fair trade with their coconuts and in the process do community development and see really a holistic transformation happen in this area. Uh, we had done nonprofit work for years and with a lot of nonprofit work, you can only get so far. There's these 
economic roots mm -hmm. to the problem yes. that really are hard to ad address. Yeah. And so we've combined the best of business in mm -hmm. terms of economic development and jobs and fair trade with the best of community development and nonprofit work in terms of not creating dependency, really caring for the whole person and not just yes. handing them a pair of shoes and thinking that's going to solve them the problem. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're trying to do. And 12 years later, we're, we're really seeing uh, some wonderful things happen. Wow. Well, let's get into it. You said you were just there, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got some back awesome three days stories. Ago. I know we want to talk about the stories and we also want to talk about just what happened during COVID and how many you guys almost had to shut down. So what do you want to tackle first? Well, maybe can I go back 12 years ago when we started? Of course. Yes. Um, I was reminded of this. I was with some of our employees there and I'm, I was sitting there with our, our guy, Mel, who, uh, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites, so I won't say he's my favorite, but uh, he's a dear friend of mine. And he's, we were talking about uh, where we're headed in the future and, and how, you know, we're, we're, we need to grow and, uh, and things like that. And he said to me, he said, Eric, do you remember 12 years ago, there was nothing here. It was a dirt road. Mm -hmm. There were to to get from one village to the next village, you had to walk through a river. There was no bridge here. There were no roads to buy something. You had to get on a motorbike and forge seven rivers. And you know, it was if you broke your leg in this area, you would you would have to hop on the back of a motorbike, forge seven rivers, and and drive for two and a half hours on a bumpy dirt road. Gosh. You know, he, he, this is these, this is what people lived with. And now look, we have a two lane, uh, you know, concrete, you know, re rebar reinforced highway. We have a hardware store that popped up, uh, which were their biggest customer, of course. Yes. Uh, we, ha we have restaurants that have popped up, even some resorts that have popped up to bring economic development. Mm. Uh, you know, there's, there's all this, all these things that are happening in the area. Mm. And he said, he said, when Eric, do you remember? Everybody told us this was impossible. Mm -hmm. That you know, the idea that we're going to build a superstructure that could have food production, that world class food production in this place, everybody told us <laughs> it's impossible. You can't do it. Mm. And so, it, it really, as I look back, it really is incredible how yeah. uh, how we've persevered yeah. and how we've persisted through some really hard times. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I'm not joking when I say we've been at death's door. Mm. Well, I think what did our CEO call it? He would, he would call it, uh, <laughs> you know, a death Valley. Yeah. You know, we're here. We are in death Valley again, just, you know, moments away from, from death. Wow. I remember, I remember about five different times in our company's history where we looked at each other and said, we have about two weeks left before this business is done. Wow. And, and every time the, the smart thing would have been to do is to, to say, or maybe not the smart, but I'll say the, the business leaders and, and professors would have said, that's the point where you shut it down and you use that two weeks of cash and you pay everybody like a good stipend and, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, something. So they have money in their pocket, leave, leaving the company. And each time we just had this inner voice, you know, for us, you know, Holy Spirit saying, mm -hmm. keep going, press in, 
And so yeah. we did. And each time we made it through, sometimes by the skin of our teeth, Wow! but we did. And it, it's, it's been an incredible ride. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. We were, I remember last time we were chat, chatting, we were just talking about the resilience and I wanted to talk about that. So I wanted to make sure that you talked about how much you, you, you're about to close it up and now you didn't have to. So um, can you think of what, what ter- made the turnaround? I mean, obviously God, but what circumstances did he use? What people did he use? What, what happened that made it to where you were thought you were about to close and then, no, oh, you don't have to. Ah, that's a great question. This, <laughs> we, we've, we've started writing down some of the stories cause I, I think it could make for a really great book. Um, in, in each case, it was a combination of we were doing the right things. Mm-hmm. I think from the beginning, uh, integrity w- w- was a strong core value for us. Mm-hmm. And, and so there were, we, we were really focused. There were things that we were willing to do and there were things that we for sure would never do. Uh, like bribery, no matter what kind of extortion was happening towards us, we were not going to pay a bribe. And so I think there were some of those, um, I do think, uh, it, it, there were also things where, you know, we weren't just praying in a closet, just hoping for God to bail us out mm-hmm. during these times we were, we were out selling and mm-hmm. it was a check that came from a customer that often saved us yes. or a new customer or a, a new investor. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, or it was, so it was this combination of doing the right things, you know, working at it and working hard at the things that were going to help us as well as there are many times that (laughs) we say, well, there's no way that could have happened without really God at play and, and God working on our behalf. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like he's on on the team and uh, we're working together to, to do it. So it's not just us. Yes. working apart from him or, and it's also not just him bailing us out. It's, it's right. us doing it together. Absolutely. Yes. It's him giving you, maybe giving you wisdom to, Hey, call this guy back, contact mm. that customer. I mean, yeah, it may not just be him just uh, laying the money at your feet or putting it in your bank account. Um, likely it's not, it's an idea that he gives you to do something. Yeah. Leads, leads uh, to something incredible. Yeah. I have a, a quick story about that. So like on the bribery, you know, the Philippines, it's, it has a lot of cor- corruption in it. Um, not sure if I should say that publicly, I, I, you know, uh, with okay. the current president, but <laughs> um, it, there's, everybody knows it's, it, it, there's a lot of corruption and it's been a big problem in the Philippines for a long time. And so we, we had over the course of the, and, until we could operate our company and start making our world-class virgin coconut oil, we had to go and get permits from 13, 36 different government offices, whether it was the fire marshal or whether it was, you know, this or that, it was just a lot of different ones. Um, And in fact, our CEO, he, he has that list of 36 Mm -hmm. on a plaque that he's framed because each one of those, it was not easy here in the U S you know, we, we, we fill out a form and all of a sudden you have an LLC. Yeah. Uh, you need you need improvement for this. You need a, a sales certificate for this. You know, it, it, we complain that it's hard, but comparison to the Philippines is nothing. And each one is like a badge of honor that we wear. Oh my God. And with one of them, uh, 
we were we were building out our our buildings on our mm-hmm. on our uh, site and we got to this point where we had to get government official to keep moving forward and it, it wasn't coming wasn't coming and all of a sudden we had to shut down our operation because we couldn't go any further without this government approval and we kept appealing saying you know please we really need this uh, you know would you please all we needed was this one guy's signature and he kept saying to us hey i'm happy to give this to you you know we just need a little grease money to to turn the wheels yeah uh that that's what they call it grease money um and we kept saying we don't do that uh we just think it's wrong and it encourages corruption and so we're, we're not going to be a part of that so uh it was months that our our plant you know half built just sat there mm. i think it was like six months and you can imagine you know what in, investors and others you know were were thinking as it just sits there for six yeah. months just yeah. burning capital and and so f- we had tried a lot of different things we tried working with other people within the government and find you know so we're we're praying about this we're uh we're doing different options and finally we, we get a meeting with his boss we are told ahead of time that if you if you accuse a government official that there's corruption underneath him it's like a slap in the face uh-huh. you don't just say you know hey ryan your people are corrupt and they're asking for bribery from yeah. from us uh you will get thrown out of the office because of course to save face he has to say there's no corruption in my office get out so uh so we had a we we're advised go in carefully and kind of softly mention this topic and so uh we went into this meeting and you know we chatted and and finally says well what can i do for you we we said well uh we have a problem and instead of naming the person's name we just said we have a problem and this problem is preventing us from uh progressing in building this superstructure that 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 we have and from doing all this good work that we want to be doing in this area and this government official kind of waves of his hand and says you don't have a problem <laughs> and we thought who gave us this idea again this this is not working uh you know why are we being so indirect and so we thought okay let's try it again maybe the the you know the english translation is not getting through so we again explain the situation we have this problem you know it's we we need this these forms these this paperwork to get what we need mm-hmm. and again he says to us you don't have a problem we we're like okay this is our last chance so we 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 say it a third time no we really 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 need this signature and there's a problem and uh and we can't get it mm-hmm. and he leans into us and he said guys you don't have a problem because if if there was a problem that problem would find himself on a far distant island away from everything he loves and uh and, and, and would never see his family again you don't have a problem <laughs> and we realized oh when you say we don't have a problem you're saying i'm going to solve the problem <laughs> mm. that week we got that signature 
And is the guy uh, at a far distant island away from his family? No, no. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if we didn't really follow up with them to send them, to, you know, thank you or sympathy cards. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was pretty amazing. Another, there's another time where we had, uh, what was it? It, it, it? This one wasn't a bribery issue. This was just, we needed help. Uh, I can't remember what the issue was. And we tried and tried to meet with one of the, the government senators, uh, or maybe it was the governor of the area, and tried and tried to get a meeting. Again, we're in the in the U.S., they're, they're in the Philippines. And so we just went over, even without getting a meeting, we thought, well, let's just take a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, But we kept getting messages back from the secretary. Sorry, he's busy. You know, his schedule's full. We can't schedule a time. So we just book a plane ticket and we just hope that we can meet with them. And again, we get there. It's the day before. They said, nope, can't meet with you. Mm. Uh, he, he said he's traveling. And we're, we're trying to get just a 15-minute slot. That's all we needed to, well, that's all they were willing to give us to make a, a short pitch. And uh, so we board the plane thinking, well, this whole tra- trip might be just a complete waste. Mm-hmm. And we sit down next to the governor of the area <laughs> on the plane, <laughs> on the plane. And so not only did we have 15 minutes, we had a whole hour. Oh my uh, goodness. That's awesome. Uh, to, to build rapport and to, uh, to talk to this wow. guy. So, there's no, that's not coincidence <laughs> at all. There's just, yeah. There's yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been fun and it's a very different story than yeah. so many biz- businesses. Um, mm. and, and it, it's been fun and it's, it's been exciting and it's been incredibly stressful and terrifying <laughs> at the same time. Uh, yeah. um, you mentioned the pandemic and the typhoon. Should I talk, talk about sure. that some? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. So uh 2019 in december 2019 uh well back to back up so you you know in asia we we get typhoons this is common we get our area of the philippines gets a typhoon about once every five years and so they happen they come through they do some damage uh but in 2019 a super typhoon in december hit and this was a bad one this was the worst most people had seen in their lifetime. Wow. It was called Typhoon Tsoi. And it it destroyed it, it damaged a hundred percent of the coconut trees. Um 20% of the coconut trees were they were toppled over completely. And the rest of the 80%, they were damaged. The palm fronds were blown off. The coconuts were all blown off. And we had no idea whether these coconut trees would ever heal and bear fruit again. Mm. They, they looked like big toothpicks it, just sticking up in the air with nothing on top, no coconuts, no, no yeah. palms. Yeah. And uh, we just, we did a survey of the area and it was devastating mm. on a business front. We just thought, we don't even know if we have a business anymore. We're in the coconut. We built this whole facility to do coconut to process coconuts. And we don't know where we're going to get coconuts from yeah. for the community, which it's a mainly farming community, which mainly farms coconuts. They do some rice and fish as well. Uh, this community 
they were desperate. Mm. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do. And then four months later, what happens? The pandemic. So right on top of each other, wow. uh, this community is in its most desperate state it's been in probably a century. Um, we had we had people that were on the brink of starvation. Uh, it, it's and to put it in context, we have many. We did a baseline survey when we first came, and it's common for people to have food shortages. Um, it's common for people to have one, two, or three months of time where they're just eating rice once a day. That's wow. all the food that their family has. Okay. Uh, and so they they know what it's like to have very little food. And this got really desperate for a lot of people. And uh, we didn't know, we, we weren't sure if we even had a business left. And the, the people were turning to us saying, can you help us? Uh, and we thought, what what can we do? And so we saw the need and it was huge. And we thought we can't solve the problem. We can't actually solve what needs to be done. But, um, you know, kind of, kind of like, you know, Jesus's questions to the disciple of, you know, what do you have? Hey, give it to me. Mm. Uh, we said, well, we have a little bit of money. Let's do what we can with what we have. Yeah. So we pulled together, we decided to buy a few trucks of rice and handed out big bags of uh, 50 kilo pounds of rice, mm. one per family, maybe it was 30 kilos. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting now. And, um, and so for, I think we passed out to two, 200, 2000 families. Wow. And, and then three months later, uh, another typhoon hits. And people are still desperate. So we did it again. Uh, somehow we still had a business. Um, we started actually buying coconuts from a competitor that was outside of the typhoon area. Um, and we did another distribution of rice. Um, <laughs> and then another three months later, there was another typhoon that hit. It was another super typhoon. Uh, and we did another distribution of rice. And then another one hit. We did another distribution um, and for the farmers, we gave them because they were hit the worst. I mean, we gave all of our farmers an extra, um, we gave them actually some cash as well as some, some grocery items and rice. Mm -hmm. But over the course of, in an area that usually gets one typhoon every five years, we saw four super typhoons come within 18 months. Oh my gosh. On top of the pandemic. And it was it was really hard mm. it was again probably an impossible situation and um and i was just there in the philippines uh, meeting with some of our farmers and every one of them i asked them uh you know what what's been the impact of being one of the dignity farmers and all of them said you you helped us survive wow. you helped us through our greatest time of need you were there for us. And um, if that was like emotional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, oh my gosh. you know, it's, oh my it's hard because, you know, we were on lockdown. We, I didn't go over there. I wasn't there with the trucks, right. Handing out the rice. I didn't look in people's eyes as we were doing these distributions. 
Uh, I got pictures sent to me by email and it was good. It felt good. And I, I could, I could tell we were doing something good, but to have these farmers look me in the eyes and, and tell me how much it meant to them that, that we were there for them because they don't have safety nets. Yeah. Uh, they don't have government programs, their government, they gave them, what was it? I wrote it down their government gave them like five kilos of rice. That's all they were given. Mm. And here we gave them a hundred kilos of rice uh, to help them through. So, so what is that? So the government gave them like 10 pounds of rice, uh, 12 pounds of rice. And we gave them a hundred, uh, 200 and what is that, 40 uh, pounds of rice for their families. Um, yeah. So that, that definitely kind of brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was a lot, there's a lot of other things that are happening that I, I kind of heard of, but when I was there to, to hear it firsthand just felt different. Yeah. Um, I'll, another example, there was these, when we first did this baseline survey, we, we asked uh, people, well, you know, what's, what level of education did you reach? Okay. And of all the adults, 50% of the adults had uh, a six, sixth grade education or less. Wow. And only, less than 1% had done anything regarding post high school education, whether that was going to a technical college, taking one college class or some kind of trade ed, 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 skills training or something like that. Less than 1% of men and women. And this time I'm talking to farmers, which the farmers, they are the, the lowest uh, in terms of, uh, you know, economics and, you know, social ladder. And these farmers, almost every one of these farmers, not only had kids that had graduated high school, which is remarkable for this area and would have been, uh, you know, thought impossible 10 years ago, mm-hmm. most of them had started sending their kids to college. And most of them, when I asked them, what's your hopes and dreams? Uh-huh. Uh, no longer was their answer that my children won't bear the debt that I've incurred. It will be their hopes and dreams are that all my kids have a diploma. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So it's been exciting. Yes, for sure. Do you think like um, all the economic development has happened um, pretty much because you guys planted your business there? Like you're the economic driver. Is that right? Yes, but we didn't do it alone. Uh, we definitely had like the road that was built that was done by the government. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to do it, but they didn't have enough support uh, until we just de- until we decided to put our plant there. When we yeah. when we did that, that gave them the leverage to to get other government officials to say hey guys look there's development happening here mm. there's there's going to be some 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 things happening in this area let's come on let's build this road that we that we all want to do yeah so we we couldn't have done it without the government support yeah. we have key leaders we don't have any americans over there which to some uh some people especially those that haven't uh, traveled as much and appreciate local leadership that's yeah. crazy. And yet uh, we have some really fantastic 
Filipino leaders that are running the operation mm. uh, there and doing a really good job. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it it's been a partnership of some some good leaders, the government. Um, there's been a lot of the local churches uh, have really stepped up and, and helped out. They're doing a lot to work with us to help with teachings on health and hygiene mm. and teachings on clean water. When we when we uh, realized that everybody was drinking unclean water, even people that had drilled a well, you know, you drill a well and you think, oh, this is going to be clean water. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some geological surveys and realized there's no aquifer. That's kind of like a, oh, think yeah. of like an underground lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, that There's no lake underneath here. And therefore, all the water that people are pulling up from the ground, it's all contaminated. It has e-, e. coli and salmonella and every oh, everything gosh. like that, and so no wonder kids are, you know, half the time they have diarrhea and can't focus in school, or you know, people are constantly having uh, you know health issues. And so we we when we went out to kind of help the community realize, guys, you're not drinking clean water, and here's a solution to so that everybody can have clean water. Mm-hmm really the church they really stepped up and they they helped out and they did they went you know into the neighborhoods to communicate this and they and to communicate guys we need there's these buckets that have this filtration system and it filters out the these these bacteria and viruses and i know we can't see it and it looks like we're drinking clear what clean water but we're really not yeah and so um yeah so it was a lot of partnership this was this was a, a team effort but it's exciting to see that we're really accomplishing these dreams. Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's not just about, you know, selling some coconuts, you're changing a whole region, <laughs> changing yeah. families for generations. That's crazy. Through business, business gives yeah. you that tool to do that, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think for years of doing nonprofit work and now trying to combine them, I believe if you can, if you do it right, the marriage of good business with good community development, mm-hmm. the impact is exponential. Yes. Because you're addressing all sides of the problem. Right. Mm. Are there nonprofits working in that area that you, besides the churches, obviously those are nonprofits. Um, any other organizations that you partnered up with there? Not initially. Uh, okay. Well, yes, there, there was, there was a school. Um, and actually that's how we got started. It was okay. our, our founder, Don Biker, who passed away uh, a few years ago. Um, he, he came from, uh, he was teaching at the Harvard business school and he was at Bain and company for a while. Mm-hmm. And he started this school in this jungle area because there was no high school. Wow. And really believing that education was the key. If we can teach students, then that's the key to unlocking uh, opportunity and success for, for this area. And after he had finished, the, he asked the principal, hey, you know, we've, been, we've had this school for a while. Things are going well. You know, what, you know, wh- what are you thinking? And Arsenia, who's uh, pr- not even 100 pounds wet, uh, this old, old lady, uh, who's actually on her deathbed right now, uh-huh. um, 
she said, she looked at Don and said, Don, my students, they're coming out of school with a fantastic education. These are some of the brightest students in the area. They're coming out with good character because we focus on that, good skills, they're thinking right. But when they graduate, what happens? Mm. There's no opportunities. There's no jobs here. So what are they going to do? She said, at best, they're going to go to Manila, Cebu, or to Bahrain, Dubai, and they'll get a job where they're lonely and overworked. Yes. Because, you know, often on these contract jobs, they're worked a hundred hours plus a week. Wow. And, you know, they're, they're, they're sharing a bed with somebody who's working the night shift and they're working day. Sh- I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and they cram like dozens of people into like a one room bedroom. It's, it's not, mm. it's not a good situation. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is they're abused, especially the women who go over as maids, uh, you know, housemaids. And oftentimes they're raped or they're just simply trafficked into the sex trade. Mm. And Arsenia looked at Don and said, would you connect my students to the global marketplace? Would you give them a chance to use their skills right here, mm. right with their families? <laughs> and that's where the whole dream for wow, Dignity came. Yeah. And you guys have done it. You're seeing it now. You're seeing the fruit of what he planted. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we are. Doesn't mean it's been easy though. <laughs> no, and and we're not done. We're not out of the woods either. You know, I I I met with a lot of other people who uh, a lot of other farmers who are begging to become a part of dignity and you know, we we can add them as we grow our sales. Yeah. But uh and 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 that's what we're trying to do. So we're we're trying to get into other stores. We just pitched to Whole Foods. We just pitched to Wegmans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd love to get into a Sprouts or a Publix or, yes. you know, these these kinds of stores would really help us. But right now, we're, we're basically nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's people on your podcast and others uh, that, that have heard of us. But in the public space, you know, Good Morning America hasn't covered us. We haven't been featured on big news outlets. We've we've had a, some TV interviews. We've had some articles written about us, and those are great. But uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, we never had the big, huge marketing budgets mm-hmm. to to do what a lot of other of the big brands do. And yes. so we we've grown this far from word of mouth, mm-hmm. and it's been good. But we really, we really need some kind of bigger opportunities to see the kind of growth that and and to have the impact that we want to have. Mm. My mind's just going as soon as you're talking. I'm thinking about people, somebody else I need to connect you with <laughs> <laughs> um, in the social media space. Well, let's talk about the um, actual coconut oil itself. And you also have an opportunity for people that are like, oh, "This is amazing. I want to." buy some coconut oil. So we'll give it the web address. I know it's dignitycoconuts.com. Uh, but then um, also for somebody that wants to partner with you, you have a, a, a way for somebody to actually be able to donate and get a tax donation receipt, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. Talk so about that. we, we, we'd love for people, if you're interested, buy our product. We, we have, uh, you know, holiday sales going on right now that um, we just launched a new uh, mate, 
eco makeup remover bundle. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ways people use coconut oil is is to remove their makeup with it. Mm-hmm. And so we have some reusable pads. And so you don't have to throw, throw them away. You can just wash them. And we have a little bag that you can wash them in. Uh, along with our coconut oil, we have a beauty bundle that has a dry brush in it, as well as lip balms and coconut oil. These make great gifts for Mm -hmm. people. And for those that say, Hey, I want to do more than uh, buy a dozen jars and hand them out to friends and family. Uh, we'd love for you to donate. Uh, it helps us, uh, expand our impact. Uh, it helps us get more farmers, uh, trained as we grow. We need farmers that are trained in organic certification. And that takes a lot of time and energy to get them on board. Uh, Unfortunately, for many of them, we have to teach them how to read and write because organic certification requires them to document uh, things. And so we're teaching literacy uh, to many of them so that they can do the documentation. So donations go towards that side of things that help them get on board or for our employees, uh, helping them uh, with the skills training and um, other th- community development projects that we have going in the, in the community. So yeah, uh, you can have maybe you can have the link in the in the yes, show notes for sure. that. Yeah, just give me the link when we get off here, and I'll make sure that it gets in there. Um, yeah, I'm actually our products, on our site right now. Yeah, our products. You can go to dignitycoconuts.com and then hit the shop button, and you can find uh, some some of these deals. Uh, I think a lot of people when they think of uh, the holidays. I'm not sure when this one will get released, but a lot of people think, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these gifts for my friends and family." And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I wonder, are they even gonna use this gift? Or you know, is this, you know, or you know, a lot of times I get just gag gifts because they're funny. Right. And, but uh, a lot of people they have what they need, and they don't really need much else. It's just right. wants, and and they're it's fun stuff. Yeah. And then on, on the other side, you have Giving Tuesday and all these other okay. kinds of things happening where people are thinking, hey, I want to I do an end of the year gift. Mm. I, want, I want my money to make an impact. I, you know, they want to give back. Yes. And so through Dignity Coconuts, this is a great opportunity to do both. Uh, don't just think about, I'm going to get this gift and I'm going to donate that money. What if you did both? You yes. give a, a meaningful gift that's actually people will use mm-hmm. and have it be uh, a gift that's that's giving people jobs. It's helping yeah. help these farmers out of predatory loans that lock their families in for generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's helping build a community and give them hope. Yes. You have an awesome story too. Um, I think the... My, my wife's always on Instagram and watches, you know, the people's stories and follows, you know, uh, you know, ladies all the time that sell her stuff. She goes online, buys their link, buys their stuff. I think if you just had a few key people like that, and one person I want to introduce you to has a large audience, um, the anti-trafficking message is, is very popular right now. Um, mm-hmm. and you're doing it. So that's a, a key. That's a, 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 definitely an in, I think with some of these people that, you know, they're not, they're not just selling a product. They're, yeah. they're, they're doing something bigger. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's another option. You know, if you know, influencers, people that have a following, whether that's, you know, uh, people on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or maybe yeah. that's an email following or a blog or a podcast. Um, great. Yeah. Introduce us. Cause again, they probably haven't heard of us. It's probably not that they have looked us and said, ah, 
don't really want to feature these guys. It's probably that they have no idea we exist, but exactly. you do. Yes. You've heard of us. And even yeah. if you don't know these influencers personally, it's surprising how much these influencers listen to their followers. Yes. When do. you when when you send a quick DM or email or uh, you know or something saying, "Hey, I just heard these guys. You should consider having them on your show, or you know, or talking about mm-hmm. these guys. You would be surprised. Even in grocery stores, uh, going to a, a Sprouts or Wegmans uh, and just a- asking for the store manager and saying, "Hey, this product is fantastic, and you don't yeah. have it on your shelf." That they listen to that. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, not just one, but if they hear a few people say that you'd be surprised. And so I think there, mm-hmm. there's some small things that you can do that actually help a lot. Because Absolutely. for me, when I go to the influencer or I go to that store, it's self-promotion. Right. I'm promoting myself. And right sure. away, they're trained to say, oh, yeah, I got 100 emails from guys like you, you yes. know, not interested. <laughs> you know, here's another loser president brand owner that <laughs> wants to pitch his product to me no thanks yeah. they're just like conditioned to do that i mean you right. do this with your emails right you're mm-hmm. constantly like no i don't want that i don't want another this or that um right and so so we do that but somehow you have influence i don't have to help us get yes. in with influencers and stores Couple ideas that just um, as we're just we're hanging out here talking, um, thinking about sprouts, for example. We have one down the road, and I remember you saying that we could go into the store and totally like say, "Hey, you guys need to carry dignity coconuts." Um, I'm looking on their site; they have a sprouts.com forward slash contact. Do you feel like if um, if you send an email out to your email list saying if you live any or even if you don't live near that store, um, would it be beneficial? For if you had a thousand people on your email list, email Sprouts and what I don't even know what Wegmans <laughs> is, but I would gladly email Wegmans for you. Um, like if you had like an email say, do you want to help us out further? Here's a link. Here's a link directly to Sprouts contact us page. Go in there and tell them you want us. We we would like for you Sprouts to carry this this brand. We would buy it. I love you. it. Um, would it's that a great like, idea. almost like a social campaign? Um, and I wonder if that would move the needle if they started, if they got a thousand people emailing their contact. Now it may be better if you go in and talk to the manager potentially, but not everybody's going to do that. So what if they could yeah. sit down and in 10 minutes, email five stores, um, you can even give them the words to say, now that may sound like, you now they're going to start getting a bunch of them. They're going to know that you guys told them to do that, but um that's a great idea. And for those listening to this, yeah, I'd encourage you think of what are the three to five stores that you that you shop at uh, mm-hmm. and and content they might have a contact page on the website maybe that's easier for you than talk, c- talking to a store manager maybe that sounds too scary and the email would be something like hey i love shopping at your store um you know i, I just heard about this great product and you know hopefully you're already buying it or maybe buy it on amazon and say you know i'm, I'm a customer already and i'd love to buy it from your store yeah um something like that yeah. that's all you need Love it. Um, yeah. Another idea I just had was um, thinking about the anti-trafficking uh, angle. Um, have you ever thought about going to um, all of the major anti-trafficking organizations, their Facebook, or actually I mean, Facebook might be a little bit harder. Instagram, you can see their who's following them. So like for just totally, for example, here, think A21. 
Um, what if you went to A21's Instagram page and clicked on their followers? Now there's probably going to be 5,000 of them, maybe 10,000, maybe more. Um, and then just you need a VA to do this. Maybe somebody you hire in the Philippines, it's one of your workers' kids and have them one by one go through and see like, you know, okay, this person they've got and have a, have a benchmark. If they have this many followers, we mm. send them a, a direct message saying, Hey, we know that you are because you follow a 21, you care about this issue. Um, we have a brand that, that attacks anti-trafficking. Um, would you be interested in, in partnering with us? Uh, the, because people that who have, a million followers, they're getting those all the time. But people who have 10,000 and below aren't getting those. And it would be mm. like, wow, really? You want me to sponsor your brand? And a lot of them will do it just for free product. So you could send them that maybe that makeup. You know, it's only $15.95 on your site right now for you to have them do a post or a video about it. Oh, that's way that's easily worth the the cost that that costs you um, mm. to have them do a post. So I, I don't know if that's an angle you'd want to go down, but just I love it. find those organizations, find their followers because they already care about that stuff and reach out to them and ask them if they want to sponsor your brand. I could probably get the right terms for you if you want me to, but essentially it's just yeah. you want them to start promoting your product and you'll give them a free product in exchange for a, a video or something. I could, I have a lot of people that do social media like that, that I could find out what's a contract look like what's a normal expectation do you do five videos is it one video um there may be a level mm. like where they're a brand ambassador and maybe you give them free product all the time like every month they get a new shipment and they're expected to do this many videos for you that those relationships could pop up and it might just be a the cost of the product for you yeah i love it i love your ideas <laughs> <laughs> I hopefully let me know all of the one of the persons I'm thinking about is Melissa Hughes. She's been on this podcast before several times. She's a good friend of mine now. She's got 250,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, a credible story. She might be somebody that would be interested in doing this, being an ambassador for you. Um, but also I could ask her like, what's a typical arrangement? What's that look like? Um, mm. You know, when, you know, what, what should you guys offer? What should you guys expect in exchange for a $15 product? Um, yeah. Cool. I love okay. it. Cool. Well, give me that email or give me the link um, when we get off here and I'll, or even just later. This is probably air on Friday, um, if that's okay. And we'll uh, get the word out about this. So anything else? Any other last words of wisdom to the audience? Uh, <laughs> I think uh, it, it's been incredible seeing the kind of development um, that, we've, that we've had in, in people and in the area. And I think, uh, I just want to challenge you to think about, it. I think a lot of us, we think about work as a means to an end, mm. uh, that it's this like evil that we have to endure, <laughs> maybe right. not evil, but, right. uh, you know, you know, but it, and, and I think, I think there's ways to incorporate, uh, purpose and fulfillment into the work we're doing. It's not easy. Uh, and it is certainly takes some soul searching uh it takes some uh creative thinking uh, and potentially you know like you're a great guy to kind of bounce ideas off and think and so you might need to find other people to kind of surround you and think through how could i use 
what I'm doing at work to really make an impact in people's yeah. lives. Yeah. But I, I think, I think the idea of combining it, it's, it's really powerful instead of just thinking, how do I just make a lot of money from my nine to five and then give money away, you know, outside of that or, or make an impact or think, I mean, if you could combine even some of that, I, I think it'd be pretty incredible. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, your story is amazing. I love hearing about what you guys have done and it's just it goes way beyond just selling some coconut oil doesn't it it's you're making an internal impact in people's lives so awesome well thanks for being on eric appreciate it thank you bye bye everyone see you next week